The Free for All Roundtable. Round one. On round one this morning, let's say good morning to Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. Laura Babcock is host of the O Show and with Power Group Communications. Mark Warner is here, international trade lawyer. Let's actually start with uh, the masks. It's not so much are we for them or against them, are we actually just sort of sighing with great regret about the fact they may come back to schools. Laura, you've got kids in the school system. Um, what would, you know, what's your reaction to the idea that we may go back to mandatory masks well i don't love it for the kids you know they actually kind of suffered a lot just in terms of um, their own socialization and their self-confidence and they kind of got over it i've watched them rebuild those social connections so masking puts up a little bit of a barrier there however this is not just us talking about masking and some sort of a vacuum about whether we like COVID policy or we think we're over it or whatever else. This is where there's an incredible pressure on pediatric care in this country. There is no room at the children's hospitals. Parents cannot get their cannot get any kind of fever reduction medicines. The shelves are empty all over the place. I spent my weekend, you know, on a road trip to Quebec, but on Twitter trying to help people, parents find any kind of remedies for their kids' fevers because they can't take them to a emergency. In many cases, the lineups are huge. It's a real crisis. And actually, the the founder of uh, Vax Hunters Canada joined in the conversation on the weekend and said parents could DM him and he would try to help them find like children's Tylenol. So this isn't just about do we like masks or not or kids socialization or not, John. This is about how do we take the pressure off of the children's hospitals in this country right now until we get the supply back on our shelves that parents desperately need. If masks help reduce COVID or other respiratory ailments from spreading, then bring on the masks, whatever we can do to help these kids. Okay, well, and Mark Warner, as a first step, mandatory masks Asking is not exactly like saying now we're going to close the schools. No, it's not. I mean, the question in all of this from the beginning of COVID, I guess, is do you, you know, is, is do you do you actually help achieve your objective more by sort of inflaming people and uh, with things like mandates or not? And, you know, I guess, you know, we had that discussion and people have their different views on it. Um, I, I did note that the Catholic school board, I think people said, well, look, our, our, our parents do not want this because they know it will be divisive in that school board for a bunch of reasons. So I, 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 I just think education, information, and, and, and sort of a voluntary approach to this, because I do, is, is the best way to go. And, and we'll see what the school boards actually end up doing. Yeah, uh, and, and you're absolutely right. One of the trustees at the Catholic District School Board said absolutely not, and unfortunately was not available to appear on our show this morning to make the point. Uh, Tim Hudak, you got two daughters in the system as well. What say you? Um, I'm with Ida Lepretti, the uh, Catholic School Board trustee you just mentioned. It's not necessary. I think that a lot of the health busybodies and nannies who like running our lives for two years are missing the limelight and are trying to creep back in. John, there's a, a friend of uh, Maitland's who um, had, it was my grade three, uh, who didn't want to take the mask off and it, and it became a shield. It was a shy kid and it had been so scared the last number of years. You know, it, it was tough for his parents to actually convince him to have a normal life and play with a kid and take the mask off. That mask is now off. We don't need to go back. The damage caused to our kids to overreact in this area is simply not worth the price. Anymore. Get the drugs on the shelves and get the flu shots. That's in the healthcare system. Uh, let's turn to the ongoing negotiations and troubles with the CUPE education workers. They are back in the schools. Kids are back in the schools, so that's great news. And there's a leaked 
report or some leaked figures at the very least in today's star that suggests that the government a did sweeten the deal and somewhat significantly they're up to 3.5 for one group of workers but mark i'll start with you on this one um one of the disputes is going to be this the government wants to break the union up into different units and compensate the people who are genuinely seen to be undercompensated better than they're going to compensate everybody else and the union says that's a non-starter are they being too stubborn yes um well i think it's a, it's a good approach you know it, it is one that does test the the unions um you know we do have inflation we do have inflationary pressures that we're all concerned about and so i do think it's a quite an innovative approach that ford has adopted to say okay i hear you on the lower wage people we'll go somewhat higher there but um, we're not going to do anything that go across the board where we might not actually need to do that at a level um that would help uh, you know turn us into that inflationary spiral. So I, I, I think that is a, uh, an innovative approach and I understand why the unions oppose it, but I, uh, I, think it's a, I think it's one that the public should support. Yeah, Tim Hudak, I, I sense there will be general support for this sort of thing. And so I don't know if you guys saw the poll this morning, but the public is siding with the workers. But I think one of the reasons for that is it is genuinely appreciable that the, for example, the educational assistants are undercompensated for a really tough job. So if we can break the union into different units and fix that, then we're actually getting somewhere. Yeah, it's a small step in, in the right direction. Uh, the EAs should now help with special needs kids underpaid good point need more of them should not be in the same union as custodians and and uh, maintenance staff um look i i hope this would be an opportunity to actually make a fundamental shift some sort of grand bargain with the education unions including the teachers move towards essential services i think we've come to that point john i'm sick and tired of the disruptions and in return some focus on quality some sort of merit pay you know get the the eas in a, a unique uh, job just in return for essential service and eliminating the right to strike see the compromise from the unions and actually investing in quality in kids in the classroom. Laura Babcock, do you think it's going to have any any prospect of success? Because, of course, unions always say we're all in it together. It's like the cast of Friends. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's it's strategic for him to bifurcate it, right? To, because they were all out, you remember, swinging around last Friday saying, you know, you know, these education workers need to do the right thing and accept what they're putting out there. And then they saw Canada rise up and say, no, that isn't the right thing. <laughs> you know, giving these people paltry increases when they're being paid terribly uh, is not the Canadian values that we espouse. Parents are willing to have our kids out of school if it's fighting for the rights of these individuals who are low paid. So it's smart of forward to sort of buy for kids and say okay well for the for the ones who are low paid but you know don't expect much coming for the teachers um, I think there will be an appetite for giving a raise to the education workers and I liked that Laura Walton the head of the union said you know nothing's going to happen until that that awful law is repealed they're not even going to sign anything until that thing is dumped out next Monday thank goodness about the notwithstanding clause but I don't think that they can just cakewalk into a negotiation with the teachers either we saw some pretty unprecedented Union solidarity this past weekend, and I don't think Ford can uh, be arrogant at this point. I think he got schooled. Tim Hudak, I want to move to something else. Is it a liability, or does anybody really care that the new director of communications for the federal conservatives was a very enthusiastic supporter of the convoy protests to the point of actually making a video of herself getting into one of the trucks and honking the horn? <laughs> Sorry, I'm probably triggering some people. <laughs> now, do they do they start every press conference with with that horn honking? Maybe it's communications director. That's a little mark. 
<laughs> Only if they do that. No, nobody cares. Nobody should care. And if you care, you're so, you know, strong in the opposite direction. Your your vote's not up for grabs anyway. When you're when you're making that decision, it's a pretty critical decision on your core team, right? Who's heading up communications? That's going to be the person who's going to make sure that anything you put out fits your overall image that you want to project. How it fits with your um, the mission. It's not the individual who's on the cover. It's it's the words. And is that is one of the sort of core fibers of people around the table? You look for talent. You look for hard work. You look for leadership. Those are the top three things I would look for in that kind of position, and I wouldn't care about uh, horn honking. It's just funny listening to that, Laura Babcock. I was thinking it could be like the sad trombone they use during the leadership debates for the conservatives to cut people off, and she could just stand at the, at the podium, and if she gets a question she doesn't like, she can honk a horn. <laughs> well, sure, she can, but I, I want to pick up on something that Tim said, because no doubt uh, it is about the words, but he also talked about it's about alignment generally with what the party stands for. And I think that this is a little bit of a test. I think this is saying, you know, can we boldly be about this convoy? And I, I feel as though there's a bit of a coalition building in this country between the, you know, the freedom trucker convoy and the anti-vaxxers and this kind of anti-woke whatever. There seems to be a thread through this, and it might be the thread of a base that's building that Polyev and the Conservative Party think is going to be their tickets going forward. Um, but I don't think there's going to be a lot of appetite in Canada for taking anything to the extremes and if we look at the midterm results in the US this morning there's a pretty big repudiation against what's been going on down there so I, I don't know I think they should be careful not to push this too far because a lot of Canadians aren't into this as much as maybe some of the fundraisers for the Conservative Party are okay in a similar vein then and Mark Warner I'll ask you this uh, Justin Trudeau it's been announced is gonna make actually he's already taped it he makes a special appearance on Canada's drag race worth mentioning I don't think he's doing drag the uh, photographs they released do not show Justin and Trudeau in address. But is that, again, a liability or an enhancement of his usual uh, appeal? Well, I think that in 2015, this sort of thing really uh, helped him uh, attract younger voters in 2015. Now, of course, 10 years later, the people who were young in 2015 are old and parents and thinking, you know, old and uh, beginning parenting and trying to think about housing and looking at things like inflation. And I'm not sure it cuts quite the same way either with those aging youngsters or with the current youngsters. So I wonder whether this just isn't a sign that he has been, he's getting a little stale. It's funny you should say that though, because I have a maxim, uh, which I repeat quite frequently because I hope one day it'll be adopted somewhere. But I always say what works, works until it doesn't work. So Justin Trudeau's constant sunny ways and ebulliantness worked for a good long time. And now everyone's like, all right, enough, enough. Let's keep moving. Um, listen, Laura, I want to come back to you for a second because you mentioned, and I know you watch, uh, you U.S. politics as a kind of a sideshow. Uh, we did have the midterms, and as you mentioned, there seems to be a repudiation of angry politics, of shabby candidates, and election deniarism, and ultimately Trumpism. Absolutely. You know, Mitch McConnell warned a few months ago that the quality of the candidates running in a lot of these elections were poor. We had 300 election deniers running in an election in America last night, and a lot of them have not won. Now, some of the high profile ones, J.D. Vance, you know, won and a few others. Uh, but in other tough races like that Ford or that, um, pardon me, that Trump was all over, which was Dr. Oz, for instance, has lost now uh, to a community organizer, right, Fetterman. 
So there are, this is really a signal to him. And, and if you look at DeSantis, Trump said he was going to announce probably for presidency next week. DeSantis would be his main rival. He's the star of the Republican Party. He won in a landslide against Chris, the former uh, governor there. So, I mean, if Trump thinks he's going to take on DeSantis, he's probably got another thing coming. So this I, might mark the kind of the end of Trump era, we hope. Really? You think DeSantis is better than Trump, do you? Not better. Not better. <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. I think I DeSantis think the, is terrible. I think the problem with no, no, this Mark, is, Mark, no, Mark. No, I heard hold you. on, hold on. He might, let Mark, no, no, no. I heard you. I heard you. I'm he just might saying, win, I'm, but he's okay. not better but, as a human. Okay, all right. Okay, all I'm trying to say is that Trumpism... It, it, he is the expression of Trumpism. So I think it, this is the challenge. So if you think this is the death of Trumpism, when you see a victory for for DeSantis like that, it's a bit too early to do that. We'll see where the where the numbers land at the end of the day, John, on this. I, I think the real thing that I'd want to say to Canadians, though, is, as I always say, and no one actually listens to me, is for us, what matters is who controls the House, who controls the Senate. It's pretty clear, I think, that the House will go to the Republicans. That's That's key. I will see what happens with the Senate. My guess is it probably will flip to the to the Republicans. That's for us on this side of the border, what we ought to be looking at as opposed to the horse race stuff. Thanks a lot. We're out of time, but I appreciate this. Tim Hudak, Mark Warner, Laura Babcock. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.